You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 130. Today we're going to kind of continue what we talked about last week. Last week we talked about, we asked the question, is the church still relevant? Today we're asking the question, what should the church be doing? If the church is still relevant, if there is a, a, a still a role for the, the Christian church to play in society, which we, of course we believe it is because it's the, the body of Christ, it's the physical expression of, of God in the, in the earth today, and if the church is still relevant, what should its work be? What should it be doing? Uh, but before we get into that, I want to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, New Testament Snapshots. Uh, in New Testament Snapshots, we take a look at 12 of the lesser-known characters in the New Testament. People that, you know, we don't think there's a whole lot of information about, but there's actually enough to give us a snapshot if we just kind of look behind the scenes. You know, in, in, in life, every picture tells a story. If you're flipping through your phone and you're looking at your pictures... Um, every picture tells a story. It's a, uh, a memory. It brings something to life that, you know, you've done in the past. Well, and that's what we want to do with New Testament snapshots. You know, these people that we think we don't know a whole lot about, if we're willing to dig in and look just a little bit, we'll find that, that every picture does tell a story and that there is um, something to be learned from everybody that we encounter in the New Testament. Well, like I said, today we're talking about, we're asking the question, what should the church be doing? And you know, there's, there's, it's, it's always good to differentiate between the eternal church and the local church, or the universal church, if you will, and the, the local church. Um, you know, we know that the, the church, as we said, is the body of Christ in the earth today. It's the physical expression of Jesus. You know, God's not here on earth anymore, um, at least physically. Jesus is not here physically, but the church is, and we represent him. We are the living body of Christ. So you have the, the church eternal, which is made up of all Christians, all true believers, everybody that's given their life to Christ. We're all connected as the body of Christ. But that's expressed through local churches, and, and, and these local churches are um, really, the, the like we said, the visible expression of Christ, and in, in not just in the world, but in the community, um, whether it's a Baptist church or a Methodist church or an Assemblies of God church or some kind of independent church, whatever it is, it is, if, if, if they, the, the members of that church have accepted Jesus, if they are doing the work of God as the Bible has has commanded us, then then they are a physical expression, a tangible expression of God's body. And and they are having an impact in their community because they are the body of Christ. And you know, the question often comes, you know, why are there many different kinds of churches? You know, in the early early days there was only one church. And and that's 
you know, yes and no. I mean, you find diversity even within the churches of the first century. If you read Paul's letters, whether he's writing to the uh, Galatian church or the Corinthian church or the church at Ephesus or the Roman church or the Colossian church or the Philippian church, every church was different. Uh, every church had had a different personality. Every church had a different emphasis. And so we shouldn't be surprised that we see those today. And, and they're different churches because of, of diversity, physical diversity. They're different churches because of, of doctrinal um, agreements and disagreements. Um, even in some cases where churches have split um, and, and gone and created another church across town. I mean, that's a sad thing, but at least we have two churches impacting two different areas of, of the community. So I want to talk about four things that the church should be doing. And the first one is this. They should be winning the unchurched. You know, Jesus' last command was the Great Commission. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus' last command is, is really our first priority. And, and the church should be making disciples. And if we put something else ahead of that, we're really missing out on what God's called us to do. Churches are called to reach the unchurched. We should be uh, helping people find Christ. We should be, um, as Jesus said, baptizing them and, and then you know helping them understand what the Christian life is. And then that leads us to the, the next one, number two, and that's making disciples. Because it's not enough just to help somebody find Jesus. You want to help them grow in that relationship. And, and you know, and that's what Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. Not just make converts, make disciples. And that's what we're called to do. And, you know, uh, making converts can, can actually be easy. You can have a, if, you're, if you've got a good evangelist, you can preach and have a lot of people, you know, pray a prayer and make a decision. But whether or not they're going to become disciples or not, that's another thing. That's a lifelong, lifetime process of, of learning what it means to follow Christ. And so that's, that's really the, the, the first two areas that are just two of the most important things the church can be doing is leading people to Christ, helping people find Christ. And of course, this means we have to stay relevant. We, um, you know, really we have to understand that the methods of 50 years ago aren't going to be effective today. Now, of course, we don't change our message. The message never changes. But the way we package that message, the way we present that message changes regularly. And it's the same with making disciples. Um, you know, we, we need to have both formal and informal discipleship-making methods, and both are important. And, um, you know, this is something, again, that Jesus told us to do, and so we should take this very seriously. So, so the first two, winning, winning the unchurched and making disciples. But then number three is the church should be impacting the community. And this is through service and meeting practical needs. Now, in some situations, the the church has kind of pulled back because there's this attitude that if if we you know have contact with the world, it's going to make us unholy. And so, in turn, we we hold back resources that could be used to to help people in the community and to serve people. And listen, every church can't do everything. I mean, a small church is not going to be able to 
run a clothes pantry, a food, sh- you know, a food, pa- a clothes, clothes shelter or pantry, um, a food shelter, um, you know, house the homeless, uh, take care of single moms, you know, all these things. I mean, it's it, it sounds great. But in reality, if we spread ourselves too thin, we end up accomplishing nothing. So it's much better for each local church to evaluate what they can do. And it might mean one or two areas that they're able to focus on. I know one church that uh, right now they've focused on partnering with another church of a different denomination. But they're fo- they're partnering with them, supporting their um, a very extensive and very large food pantry. And so they support it financially. They support it with people to go and, and, and man it and, and help and serve. Um, another church I know of focuses on serving single moms in the community. Another church I know of is, is focused on, um, uh, you know, with, with, on a clothing uh, pantry, and they give away free clothes to, to people and families in need. Um, whatever it might be, um, I know of one, you know, and I have several churches actually do this, that, uh, you know, their big push of the year, they actually have two. But the first big one is around the time school starts back is buying school supplies for children from uh, poor families. Um, and in the same way, uh, the this particular church that I'm thinking of also focuses on at Christmas time on providing Christmas gifts for children of, of parents who might be in jail. So just, again, practical things but serving the community. Serving the community is one of the greatest ways that we can have a positive influence and positive impact. Now, this doesn't mean that every one of these people that we impact is going to come to our church. What our goal is, is to do something good and something positive in the name of Jesus and plant seeds and then let God do His work. They may end up in another church. They may not ever end up in church. But that doesn't negate our responsibility to use the resources God has give us, given us to, of course, um, serve those in our, our own Christian community and our own churches, but also to have an impact in the community. And then number four, so we talked about three things so far, winning the unchurched, making disciples, and then serving our community uh, by meeting practical needs. Number four is one of the things churches should be doing is planting other churches. Um the best way to take the gospel into a community is to put a healthy local church there. And this is something that most churches don't even think about. They're just happy to be doing what they're doing. But, you know, as churches grow, that's something they have to begin thinking about. Do we just continue growing and adding another service and adding another service and expanding our building? Or do we consider the possibility of adding another campus on the other side of town or even a separate um, church that, that's planted out of our church on the other side of town? So this is a great way that churches can expand their reach and expand their influence because, look, a, a, a 5,000-member church is great. It's awesome. But what about 10 500-member churches or five 1,000-member churches? we can really begin to see the potential for growth, expansion, and incredible influence if we begin to think this way. And it's not that a 5,000-member church is bad. Let's just also think about what can we do as we grow. Maybe we do need to add a bigger auditorium, or maybe we need to add another campus or plant another church on the other side of town. Just a thought. Now, 
three uh, three quick things that that uh, you see in healthy churches. And of course, you know there are healthy churches and there are unhealthy churches. But just talking about healthy churches, I want to just give three three things that you see in healthy churches that are causing those churches to grow and have such an impact in the lives of their members. First of all, there's faith. There's an atmosphere of can do. There's an atmosphere that no matter how things how bad things might be, God's in control. There's this attitude of faith that says, listen, God is going to come through for me. There's this attitude of faith that says, you know what? Together, we can believe God for miracles. And, and, and this, this faith atmosphere is what keeps people from falling into depression. Because if, if, we're in, if, if we're not in a church, if we're not in a positive place, if we're not in a place that's filled with faith... When the storms of life come, it's so easy to fall into that black hole of depression. But if we've got people around us who believe in us and are cheering us on and are encouraging us and are believing God for us, then we're going to see miracles in our lives. So faith. And then there's this atmosphere of hope. There's faith and then there's hope. And hope is this atmosphere of positivity. It's this belief that things are going to get better. Yes, I might be going through a tough time, but I've got hope that it's going to get better. And again, it goes back to faith and hope working together. I believe things are going to get better because my trust is in God, but I've got people that are coming alongside of me and encouraging me and saying, listen, it's going to be okay. It's going to get better. And then there's love. There's faith, there's hope, and then there's love. You know, sadly, some churches have a reputation of being judgmental and hateful towards those that don't believe the way they do. And how sad is this? You know, when I read the New Testament, when I read the Gospels, and I've been studying the New Testament for 40 years now, and when I read the New Testament, when I read the Gospels, the only people that I see Jesus really getting angry with or the religious people. Those who were struggling in life, he extended his hand to them. Now, he tried to help them to change, and he would he would often say, look, go and sin no more, but he never beat them up. But often in church, we create an atmosphere of, of you know, self-righteousness and judgment and critical uh, attitudes and critical spirits instead of love. And an atmosphere of love is an atmosphere of, care. It's this idea that we want to help people get healed. We want to help people get delivered. We want to help people grow in their faith. We want to help people connect with God and help with other people and connect with other people. We want to bring people on a journey where they can connect with Christ and then become disciples and grow into all that God's had them to, has called them to be. But that only comes in an atmosphere of love because an atmosphere of love is an atmosphere that people can grow in. So we've talked about four things that churches need to do. They need to be winning the unchurched. They need to be making disciples. And they need to be serving their community. And then they need to be expanding, planting other churches or campuses or expanding their work. And then there's this atmosphere. There's this threefold atmosphere that we see in healthy churches. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, the atmosphere that... 
I can do this and that God's in control. An atmosphere of hope that things are going to get better. And then an atmosphere of love, an atmosphere of care, and an atmosphere that God really does love me and the people of God do as well. Well, friends, I hope this has been helpful to you. I'd love to hear back from you. What are your thoughts? What do you think some other th- what do you think are some other things that the church should be involved in? How are some uh, how are some what are some of the ways that your church is impacting your community? I'd love to hear about it. Go to davidspell.com. Leave your question or comment in the comment section for today's post. And while you're there, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter. I send out three blog posts a week, and by subscribing, you will not miss a single issue. Well, friends, thanks for being with me. Hope you have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you again next time here at Leading and Learning.